Well, you mentioned a little bit ago this idea of kind of feeling at home with each other. And I feel like when I'm with Kent, my body feels at home with him. I feel at home with him. And I know that for us, kind of finding home in each other is sort of creating this space where our bodies can just be. To me, that's where the countercultural piece comes in because what are we trying to achieve? Mm. In my time on this earth, am I trying to achieve a perfectly fit, toned body or am I trying to enjoy the brief time that I have on this earth? Well, it makes me think a lot about we, we kind of grew up with this very narrow definition of what health looks like. And what I'm realizing is that it's so broad and expansive and looks so different for everybody. I mean, me and my husband can talk a lot about like, yes, we could spend hours and hours like seeking this like perfect body, but at what cost? Hi, I'm Emily Kay, and you are listening to my new podcast, Get Together. I'm a therapist in training, focusing my work on how our relationships to our bodies impact our relationships to the world. On this podcast, I'll be getting together with some of my favorite people talking about some of my favorite subjects, diet culture and eating disorders and body image and identity and systems and feminism and queerness and so much more. Thank you for being with us. So I wanted to sit down with my friend Mike today because part of our friendship that I love so much is just being able to talk with you about what is really going on inside of our bodies and how we're feeling about our bodies and just start to unpack the realness that is there and bring that into conversation and into the light rather than feeling like it has to be this silent, quiet battle that you shove to the side. And I just love being able to have permission to open that up with you. So I would love it if you could introduce yourself. Well, first of all, I'm just so happy to be talking with you, Emmy, because I've cherished that opportunity to speak so openly with you as well. Um, So my name is Mike Thomas. I'm a musician. I'm a music therapist. I'm a grad student studying counseling at the Seattle School with you, Emmy. Harry Potter lover. I'm a husband to my wonderful husband, Kent. Um, And so that's just a little bit of a snapshot of who I am. But um, I always relish the opportunity to talk about the things that maybe we sometimes think are not um, able to be talked about. And I think both of us value talking about things that often society says are not um, able to be talked about or commented on. Mike and I know each other through our time at the Seattle School. We're both studying psychology. And we actually met on the first day of orientation. We did. And found each other and we're like, okay, great. Yeah. Good. I know. I felt so grounded when I met you. I was like, yes, I'm going to have an awesome friend at school. I was like, I hope he's gay. And I was like, I hope she's gay too. (laughs) Or queer. And we actually worked on a research project together last semester where I interviewed you about the relationship between your LGBTQ plus identity and your body image. And we had such a good talk about that. And I feel like I learned so much about your experience. And I was hoping we could kind of go through that a bit more today and see where the conversation takes us. Yeah, I'd love that. So you've expressed to me that the process of you coming out and starting to identify as gay more publicly actually had an impact on your body image. 
What was that like for you? Yeah. Well, before I came out, I really didn't think about my body that much at all. Um, You know, growing up, I definitely knew that I was gay. Um, It was something that, you know, was kind of this hidden secret. But I didn't really identify as a part of, like, the gay community. But it was, like, the moment where I started to consider myself to be a part of that community, to be, like, a gay male who wanted to find identity in that place. I started looking around myself um, and just noticing that all of the messaging and the images was... I don't even know how you say it, but like they all have six packs. And then also, you know, when you want to start having sex with other men, there's also all of this messaging around like how you need to look and how you need to, uh, you know, be like on a certain type of diet. You know, just all of this stuff that says like, if you're going to be desirable, uh, this is what you got to do. And so that's when I first started really thinking about, okay, well, what do I think about my body? Do I fit into this like stereotype? And I think I realized like, oh, I don't, I'm not living up or measuring up to this cultural message of beauty or this, this standard. I really heard from what you just said. If I'm going to be desirable, this is what I have to do. Definitely. Yeah. And I know that part of that is very specific to the gay male community and also I think it's a larger cultural message that most of us can relate to of if I want to be desired by others whether it's sexually or romantically or even in my job or be taken seriously I need to do certain things to my body in order to achieve that definitely how did you cope with that you said that you hadn't really thought too much about your body before and now you were getting these messages like if I want to find love and security I am not living up to this unrealistic standard Mm -hmm. I think I noticed a slow degradation of my self-worth like my self-esteem started to plummet dude that is so dark yeah and it was like yeah I mean I kind of see it as I always feel like there's this goal looming in the distance that one day I'm going to have the perfect body. And I feel like I'm always kind of reaching for it. Um, You know, like whenever I start to kind of exercise a little bit more regularly, I'm like, oh yeah, this is my time. I'm really gonna, I'm really gonna get there this time. And then it never really happens. And then I, you know, it's kind of this like shame that comes in response to that. And it's interesting. I can't, I feel like I can't really escape that, that there's this like perfection or this like, peak that I'm like gonna get to that I just haven't gotten to yet well I think it's sort of like I think there's this like version of myself that I think is capable of doing everything that I've ever wanted you know what I mean having the perfect body having the perfect routine being super responsible and organized and never forgetting anything just being on top of my game And I think that's the mic that I'm like kind of reaching for and that I think culture kind of says is possible. And so what it does is it sort of creates this sort of like dissatisfaction in my present of, oh, I like I'm not quite there. I'm not quite good enough right now, but like one day I'll get there. And so, yeah, I'm like reaching for this like perfect version of myself. Um, But I think it really kind of does take a toll on my present and allows me not to really like appreciate the growth that I am experiencing or really just be like proud of myself for where I am. Yes. That makes me think of this American value 
system that we're all supposed to subscribe to that like we should just be like super productive and successful and like there's no work-life balance and life is about crossing things off of a list and getting things done rather than what we see in other countries that might have more of a like relaxed approach to their work and they actually take time to enjoy a meal or something like that whereas at least I experience in American culture but I think that most people would find true like this idea that I need to be productive and that extends into this health realm too. I could definitely relate with what you were saying of like one day I will meet this perfect version of myself that has an amazing routine and like for me it can even get messed up in like my self-care-ness. I think there's this disordered version of myself that's like I will like wake up and I will run five miles and I will blah 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 and I know that when I was in my eating disorder like that is how I lived my life like it was like I will wake up at this time I will do this exercise I will eat this way and if I can if I can accomplish all of these things at the end of the day I am good I will wake up tomorrow morning and feel good about myself because I did everything perfectly like if I could just achieve this perfect checklist routine then I would be perfect or something definitely and the word that popped in my head as you were saying that is um, I was thinking a lot about sustainability because I think I think so much of of this sort of like reaching for this perfect self is this false belief that we can actually handle that routine on a day-to-day basis but I think about how often you know sometimes I'll like do the perfect routine for like one or two days and then it kind of falls apart and I feel like shit. You know, I feel really bad about myself. I'm like, how come I can't, you know, get up and start my day right away? But I never think about, well, what's actually sustainable over a long period of time? And I don't think culture is concerned with like, what can you, what can you handle? Like, what can we each personally handle? And like acknowledge that that's going to be different for everyone. Because like, if I think about, maintaining this like perfect version of myself 24 7 if I really think about that that sounds so exhausting and so not life-giving and what if I thought more about well what's what's sustainable for the everyday like what can I do every day that makes me feel good about myself and it might be a lot less (laughs) than Mm -hmm. what I think is like ideal and actually like what is life-giving for Mm -hmm. me totally And I'm just thinking back to a realization I had in college where I was asking myself, I was in a really dark time in my life and extremely concerned with clean eating. And I had been really like inundated with all of these cultural messages that like, if I'm just like basically eating clean and vegan and all of these things, and I'm going to achieve this like perfect health and I'm going to feel amazing somehow. And I remember recording a video um, that I posted on my Tumblr account Ooh. back in the day. Um, and I was just like, what is health? What is the point of trying to chase after health if I'm not also happy mm. along that journey? And that's what I hear kind of in you wrestling with the sustainability of like, okay, so if I did achieve these things, would I be happy? Also, as I'm achieving them, do I feel happy? And And for me, that's just never been true. For me, even in the times in my life where in a really messed up and dark way, I did follow these checklists. I didn't feel happy. In fact, I was incredibly disconnected. It didn't make me feel healthy and it 
kept me from engaging in the present, kept me from engaging with people because I was so focused on meeting that checklist. Mm. Now my hope for myself is focusing more on a relationship with my body and approaching things that way. And like literally being like, I'm going to take a walk this morning because I want to be with myself and my body and like, let's go on a walk together. Yes. yes. I love that. Well, because I think about like, so for me, like my favorite part of the day is the morning. Like I just relish that time. It's really like, it's really the time for me to like, listen to like what I need. And if I made this routine of waking up every morning and like going for a run or for exercising, like even though like that's what culturally everybody says is like the healthiest thing to do. When I think about the thing that like helps me create the most balance in my life and the most mental health, sometimes it's like, oh, I'm going to skip the run today and I'm going to like sit and read this morning Mm -hmm. or I'm going to like journal my thoughts this morning. And I'm kind of realizing First of all, when I first started to do that, there was a lot of shame around like, well, you could be running right now, but Mm. instead you're just kind of sitting on your butt and reading and doing something that's like entertaining or comfortable. But for me, that like really gives me a space to like recharge and to re-energize. And I've sort of had to learn to affirm that for myself that like to me this time spending it this way is like just, just as important to me as like a three mile run. Yes. To me, that's where the countercultural piece comes in, because what are we trying to achieve Mm. in my time on this earth? Am I trying to achieve a perfectly fit, toned body or am I trying to enjoy the brief time that I have on this earth by reading a book and learning about the human experience and connecting to these parts of myself that our culture just doesn't value Mm. like what it feels like if you sat and read a book quietly and peacefully by your window in a nice cozy chair and you like lit a candle it feels like the question that would be asked by culture is how was that productive for you how did that further your career how Mm. did that better your body what is not being asked is how did that better your soul how did that better your relationship to yourself Mm. How did that foster a sense of presence so that you could go into your day more connected? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I feel like that really speaks and resonates to to where I'm at for sure. Of course, you know, my health is so valuable to me. I mean, especially dealing with autoimmune disorder mm-hmm. stuff. I recognize the value of health because I've been very scared by my own health issues. And yet I am actively working to not let those health scares lead me into a path of, well, then I must become like extremely restricted now to take the most perfect care of my health ever because that's not life-giving either. Well, that makes me think a lot about, we, we kind of grew up with this very narrow definition of what health looks like. And what I'm realizing is that it's so broad and expansive and looks so different for everybody. I mean, me and my husband can't talk a lot about like, Yes, we could spend hours and hours like seeking this like perfect body, but at what cost? Like that comes with a price and like it takes a toll on, you know, your relationships, the time you spend with people you love. Um, It can become kind of this thing that you like fret about. And for me, like I realized that that cost would be too much. And that for me, health looks a lot like balance. Like how can I 
maintain relationships and still take care of my body, still meet this need of like learning and of like reading, kind of like how do I incorporate all of this? It's not just like this like very like small, uh, narrow definition of like physical health. It's so much more. Yes. Yeah, I feel the same way. I feel like health is so much about what is life giving to you because you know health is obviously it's physical it's emotional it's it's very holistic and so for some people like yeah working out is like super life-giving to them but what about for the people who it's not for me I've realized that I am not willing to sacrifice my mental health my spiritual health my psychological health in order to meet some societally mandated expectation of what my body should look like And that can be so difficult and it can be extremely isolating to Mm. choose that. I'm not willing to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't think that it is so important and I won't sacrifice myself for it. Mm. That's really good. So I kind of want to talk about how we approach body image in our relationships, because I know in my experience since exploring my relationship to my body has been so important in my healing. It is something that Kelsey and I are talking about, working through, processing, commenting on like all the time. It's Mm. very important to both of us. And I get the sense that this is something that is showing up in your relationship too, that you guys wrestle with as well. Of course. Yeah. I, I think our relationship to our bodies is very present in our relationship. It's something that we talk about a lot. I think Kent and I, when we uh, started dating, were really aware of this standard of what it is to be a gay male, like what it is to be like a good, perfect fit gay male, and like pretty quickly decided like we don't want to play that game. We don't want to play into that stereotype. One, because I think we knew that if we did, that would kind of destroy us. Mm. Um, Just because... Of course, we both struggle with our body image um, and our commitment to each other was like, how can we love and like cherish one another? And like, I have to give major props to Kent because like the moment we started dating, he made me feel so comfortable in my skin. I like that was the first time that I like ever felt like I could just like truly be myself with another person like I could be my funny weird self I could be this like awkward gangly guy in this kind of like awkward body with him and like he just loved every inch of me and that was so incredibly freeing to just know that the way I am in this body the way it is right now is just so good and we talk a lot about like well, what if, what if our body changes? And it's like, oh, I'm going to love your body like at every step, at every stage. And like, you can change if you want, like if you want to work out and you, you know, you want to, you know, get a certain physique, like sure, whatever. But like, that's not, I don't need that to love you. And we're just really like practicing loving each other exactly the way that they are like right now. I think something that struck me about what you said was this intuitive sense. You said, I think we both knew that it would destroy us. And that just felt really powerful to me of having this like felt sense actually inside your body of like, um, this is going to be really bad for us if we subscribe to this. Mm. Let's not do that. And let's do that 
to get like let's not do that together as part of our love for each other is embracing both of our bodies as we are Mm -hmm. and for me that is like so crucial in a romantic relationship and in friendships gosh like really in any relationship at all but just my love for you is not conditional my love for you is not based on what you look like on the outside because guess what that's going to change no matter what just Mm -hmm. by being alive and continuing to age and I love that that's a part of your relationship and part of your conversations together Mm -hmm. I you know even just for like something really concrete and practical I think for our survival which just sounds so intense but I think for our survival we've had to create a practice where we very regularly affirm each other in our current context because of course like you can't not be a part of like the cultural messaging you know you can't distance yourself from the conditioning that you had as a kid and when you were growing up and so we've made it very much a practice of telling each other like your body is so good like Mm -hmm. the way it is yes um, like I love, I love your tummy. Like, you know, sometimes we even like touch each other and say like, this is really good. And we say, oh, it's going to be okay. And like, you don't have to be something else. And even if, you know, you change, like that's good too. We always acknowledge that our bodies or are, are in a process of changing, you know, that it's kind of a up and down. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. And just realizing that So I feel like we're just constantly reminding each other that like our bodies are okay in this place. They'll be okay in the next place they end up. And that like, yeah, overall, we're going to be okay. And we're going to love each other through all of it. What cannot be conveyed over audio (laughs) is like this melting sensation that's happening all over my face right now. But I'm so glad that you expressed that and that you so clearly named that as part of your relationship because... I actually feel that there are so many people where that is not a part of their relationship and also not something that they feel free to express within their relationship or to bring up. Mm. And I think something that happened in Kelsey and I's relationship, well, first of all, anyone who's in a relationship or friendship with me is going to get a lot of talk about body image, period. But something very poignant that happened towards the beginning of our relationship is that when I met her, that's when I started having symptoms of my autoimmune disorder. Mm. So I gained a pretty big chunk of weight in a very short period of time shortly after we started dating. And and yeah, and, and over the years, my body really has gone through a giant shift and Kelsey has never once made me feel any differently or made me feel that her feelings about me or her attraction to me has changed or been modified in any way. She's let my body exist, which is so freeing because I already feel enough, you know, confusion and shame and enough like I've gotten enough messages from society that a body that is larger is wrong. I don't need that in my relationship too. And in fact, as you said, I actually can't have that in my relationship. Otherwise, it will destroy me. Mm. I need a safe place for my body to come home to. And I think especially for anybody, anyone in general, but especially anybody who 
goes through health issues, like you just don't know what's going to happen to your body. And and that goes for everyone as well. But like, I have sort of had a sense over the last couple of years of like, I don't know what's coming next. I don't know if my weight will fluctuate again. I don't know if I'm going to develop, you know, this sort of pain or ache or what's going to happen next. So the idea of having, having someone try to regulate my body just actually feels so horrible because even I can't regulate my body. None of us can. It's this organic living, mm. breathing thing that is so changing. And it makes me sad because I actually, I don't know how, I don't want anyone listening to this to be like, oh my gosh, like my relationship is like this. Like we actually are very concerned about our bodies and I don't want anyone to feel shame about that, but maybe just bringing some awareness into how you approach the conversation about bodies and what your value system is around bodies. Well, you mentioned a little bit ago, this idea of kind of feeling at home with each other. And I feel like when I'm with Kent, my body feels at home with him. I feel at home with him. And I know that for us, kind of finding home in each other is sort of creating this space where our bodies can just be. Mm. And that's what I can speak to for us. And of course, like, oh my gosh, like I am the king of saying stupid stuff. You know what I mean? And there are times when I say things that like trigger Kent Um, about his body and there are times he says you know things to me that trigger me about my body and it's like we're not perfect it's not like we've created this perfect space where our bodies don't matter and like it's like we struggle with this every day but just personally like our goal is to bless each other's bodies just like how they are and I don't like the word bless but I think it conveys well just this idea of sort of welcoming We've agreed to welcome each other's bodies how they are. And when you welcome something into your life um, or you welcome someone into your home, like you're kind of, t- you're welcoming everything, right? Because you can't be like, oh, I only want this and I only want that. That's not welcoming, right? Like that's exclusion. So when we welcome each other, we're kind of saying like, yeah, I'm going to take all of you, like the good parts, the bad parts, the confusing parts, the parts that are a little ugly, and we're just going to, love each other in that that was really profound dude i don't know how to respond (laughs) welcome (laughs) i feel like um something that kent and i try to strive toward or that something or is something that we're trying to implement into our relationship is this whole idea of welcome um and we have this painting that a friend of ours did in our house called the guest house And I think it just really sums up a lot of our philosophy about welcoming like the good, the bad, everything into our life. So I'll read that. It says, this being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. I mean, I think every day in terms of our bodies, we have things that sort of enter 
into our awareness. You know, we beat ourselves up about our bodies. We feel shame about our bodies. We have successes with our bodies. And we're so quick to judge all of those feelings and experiences. But something that I want to try to do is to just like welcome all of that. Because I feel like I'm only perpetuating my shame when I'm like, ugh, come on. Like, I can't believe I just thought that. I can't believe I just fell into this this cultural trap. But instead, what if I can just sort of recognize that part of being human is that I have all of these different feelings about my body and about about my life. Yeah, I mean, it's a hard practice. <laughs> it's definitely not easy. And it's something that I'm going to like be doing for the rest of my life. But I just feel like there's more. If I can love and welcome all parts of myself, I'm going to be better off than if I try to eliminate or destroy parts of myself. Because in that process, then you're killing part of yourself. I think you're actually leaving me a little bit speechless right now. That completely encapsulates, I think, my hope for myself as well. And the hope that I have for my relationships and my friendships is this idea of welcoming. And I think what I have with you is permission to explore that and explore what that welcoming can look like in our friendship where we can just talk about bodies and riff on our relationship to them. And definitely for me, my hope is that we can continue to do that, but also that maybe people listening can feel that freedom of bringing the conversation about their relationship to their bodies into their friendship too. I know I need to do some work in unpacking the ways that I don't welcome myself into my own home and the ways that I don't welcome my body. And I think that's what this um, this conversation is going to leave me with is mm. I think so much about how I want to welcome others and I'm constantly challenging myself to get rid of my biases and to look deeply about the cultural stereotypes that have affected me and that make me look at other bodies differently. And that is such good, important work and so necessary to achieve the kind of society that works for everyone. And also what I often neglect to do is ask myself what parts of me are not being welcomed. Mm. And I think that's what I leave our conversation with today. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for having me, Emmy. Of course. I'm even having to practice welcoming myself in this moment, just feeling so inadequate in talking about something as big as bodies, as something so personal. I just know that like my goal is to try to like love myself in this process. And that means like even if I fuck it up, like being okay with that and realizing that just like our bodies, like we're always in process and that there's always an opportunity to do something a little bit different an opportunity to love ourselves even when we like decide like no I'm gonna keep doing the same fucking thing I just feel like it's my job to love myself right now
This podcast would not be possible without the help of some really awesome people in my life. Thank you to Kelsey LaBelle for letting me use your song, Just Trees, which was recorded and produced at Sonic Boom Records in Seattle. You can find more of Kelsey's music wherever you listen. And thank you to the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology for letting me use their podcast studio and for hosting me at their artist's retreat, which is where this podcast was born. Thank you to Elise Hansen for your wonderful artwork and to my amazing therapist, Katie, who has helped me so much. Thanks, y'all. Yeah, let's add some weird no- mouth noises. Here we go. A-S-M-R. I'm going to be eating an ice cube right now. <laughs> Thanks, Kent. Can we do it? I think so. I feel like we. I